I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. Uh, you need Zoom Rooney? It's still, it's still churning. It's still churning. Wait for it. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe, oh, maybe. it's going. Oh. It didn't want us to jump ship. And we are live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant. And today we have another special guest. And you may know his face from such episodes as previous Sales Team Rescue episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Thaddeus Gala. Hey, he's basically everything, right? You're a serial entrepreneur. You are a real estate investor. Um, oh, and you're also, uh, you run four medical clinics. And you also happen to be the face of, um, how would you describe it? The, the, the face of hope for people recently uh, through the, the fires and the rescue efforts that have been going on um, around your area in Oregon. And just all around good guy. I sound like I'm kissing up now. <laughs> but but depends it just, on who, de- right. depends on who you ask about the good guy aspect. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I'm super happy to have you here again. And today I wanted to bring you on, guys, uh, to be transparent here. Yesterday, uh, Thaddeus and I were having a conversation about settling for the status quo, about taking a know it face value. And uh, he shared a story that I'll let him share if he wants to. Uh, but I wanted to bring him on to talk about how often, and this is applicable to entrepreneurs, to sales reps, to sales managers, how often we settle for the first no as the gospel, as, as the final, the final say, and it's just not the case. And that is for you. You've, you know, taken this challenge and actually allowed yourself to build remarkable businesses simply because you didn't settle for the first person that said no. So tell, tell us, tell us a little bit about, about what brought you here uh, as far as like where you're at business-wise now and specifically around uh, not settling for for the first now? Yeah, I think um, I, I think one of the biggest things is that whether whether it's it's dealing with a you know million or multi-million dollar um, exchange or whether it's dealing with um, what flavor ice cream you want, um, it's it's it, it's all the same regardless. And in, in, ter- in terms of achieving either one. And I know that may sound trite, but it's, it's really the same process as, you know, talking to your loved one and saying, Hey, I want to see this movie versus no, I want to see that movie or I want to go to this place for dinner or that place for dinner um, as it is with, with any other discussion. And the, the only difference is it's just, you know, it's just the, the, the stakes may be bigger or, or lower, but, but it's all the same. So if you can, the first thing is, I think is understanding that once you, once you learn this process and you become aware of it, I think, I think you'll find that it, it can translate into just about everything in life. Um, especially if you can remove yourself, if you can remove yourself from the mental block that, that, um, that people look at different situations as though they're different when it's really the same core principles are at place. It's just the, it's just the, the, the actors are differently are, are, are different. And, and the stage may be different, but, but the same premise and the same principles and the same, and the same um, structures need to be in place for, for something to come to fruition. 
And I can talk about real estate that I've purchased um, with no money out of, out of pocket or very little money out of pocket. I've done that several right. times. Um, I can talk about where, um, well, actually, actually maybe, maybe even go back a little bit in terms of how I got this was mm-hmm. um, when, I, when, when I was really young, I would always listen to my parents. I, I said, I would say that I, I would have made the best soldier because my parents, my parents, whatever they told me to do, that's what I did. Meaning uh, when we very first started getting great letter grades, like in, in second and first grade and below, you know, you get like E for excellent or S for satisfactory. And that was it, you know, kind of thing. And then in, in third grade, we got our first letter grades. And I remember I got all A's and then I got one B plus. And, and I remember, I remember sitting in the, the parent teacher conference, this is third grade, right? Think of the impact on this <laughs> that it's had in my life. And, um, and, and we said, well, well, why didn't, why, my name was Aaron then, but they said, well, wh- why didn't Aaron get a, you know, get an A? And he said, well, he just didn't quite do enough to get an A, but he did really well. He did really well. He got a B plus. But, and I heard that and I thought, okay, so I could have done better. So I said, okay, so I could have done better. So from then on, I got straight A's all the way through, through, well, all the way to I, to I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, you know, uh, a, a three sport varsity athlete. Um, you know, I was like, I was like, I was valedictorian. I was like, you know, top five, you know, I was, I was math Olympia, you know, I was, did, did all the, all the things that you would do that to be the model, perfect student. I was labeled talented right. and gifted all that stuff. Right. And so much, I'm not saying this to, 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 to toot my horn rather because I have plenty of faults. I, I know that. Um, <laughs> but rather that I was so much just like, I did it because, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Mm. And, and so I just did it and it wasn't until I had a, and my brother was, was very smart. I always say my brother's smarter than I am, but I maybe just work a little bit harder than him. So it, it, it like it, it, we, we, we've taken different paths in life, but my brother, he's, he's brilliant. And when we were young, he would always stand up to my parents and I'd always see him doing insane things that I disagree with. I'm like, well, he's going to get grounded if he keeps saying that and doing that. Like to me, it was so obvious. Mm-hmm. And he was three, three years older than I am. And, and all through growing up, I almost always would side with my parents and think, well, Stefan, you were told not to do this and you're doing it. So it makes sense that you're going to get grounded. Like it was really obvious. But then when I got older, when I was around 15 and my brother had just come back from college and I saw him stand up to my dad. And it was one of the first times ever that I agreed with my brother and not my dad. And it was that moment that I got this switch of okay, if you really believe something in your heart to be to be a certain way, you can you can follow that down the line. Now, fast forward, what how did that translate into, into other aspects? Well, I realized that that we, if there's a human on the other end, anything is possible. And the first thing is, I guess, is is recognizing that that you can that 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 there's always options. And if you, if you don't recognize that there's options or if you take the status quo as, well, that's just the way it is. Kind of like, well, my parents just say so, so that's just the way it is, right? And a lot of times that does make sense. But that's how you have things like the Vietnam War, right? Like, like um, what was it, the, the Miley, um incident where you had these soldiers that were just massacring people and went on to be uh, researched by Stanley Milgram in terms of the psychology of how this happened. And even from the the, 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 the death camps <clears throat> in terms of how, how could these – soldiers do these acts and getting into the psychology of it and realizing that that there's a time to be a good soldier and there's times where where you need to stand up and how do you break out of that mold 
And so, so what I, what I, to, to kind of go into the, one of the, I mean, there's lots of stories I could share this with, but, and I can share some of the questions that I ask to, to really get to the heart of it. Mm, yeah. Because at the end of the day, to get, to get, you know, and, and, and not to sound like a broken wheel, but it's like the phrase, you know, I think it's Zig Ziglar says, you can get anything you want in life if you can help other people get what they want in life. Right. And when I first got into practice, there was a patient that I was treating and they were, they were injured on the job. So it was con- considered a workman's comp injury in a claim. And the laws at that time said that they, the patient could have 12 visits um, and then they needed to go to another doctor, get evaluated, and then come back if to, to, to basically get checks and balance to say, yes, you're still injured. You still need treatment. Okay. Makes sense. And we went over, I think it was with this one patient, I was at, I think like 16 visits and, and the adjuster called, uh, denied, denied the four visits in terms of reimbursement. Right. And that's a good amount of money, um, in terms of, in terms of doctor's visits and therapies and treatments and so forth. So I call up, I call up the, the, the adjuster and I say this, I say, okay, so listen, I say, I, I didn't tell them to listen. I said, <laughs> but, but I said, I said, okay, so I see this got denied. Why did it get denied? They said, well, um, because the law says there's only allowed 12 visits. And I said, I said, okay. I said, um, I, I realize that, but you know, we, we kind of lost track of visits. I wasn't keeping, keeping track, et cetera. You know, would it, would it be okay if we did, if, if you covered the 16? Nope. Sorry. That, that, that's the law. And it is. And, and, and that's the law. And I said, Okay, I, I completely get it. I understand that's the law. I said, here's the thing, and I'd welcome your advice. I said, I said, so this this patient in my mind has reached maximum medical improvement. I'm discharging this patient. I'm not going to request more care. Um, I'm happy to send them to another provider, which is going to cost you more money, which they're likely going to come back and they're and they're likely going to approve those last four visits. So there's a good chance that that you, as the adjuster, you're going to have to pay for another visit to get evaluated. Then you're also going to likely come back and most likely pay for the four visits that we went over to the 16 versus the 12. And, and forgive me, because it's a long time ago. I don't know if these numbers are exactly right, but I'm, I'm trying to just speak in conceptual yeah, yeah. terms here. So, so the adjuster said, um, well... Um, no, we, 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 can't really do that. It, it's, it's the law. And I said, okay. I said, well, then this is, this is a tough situation because I know that I know that I went over. I know that I know that I goofed there. The patient did also. I said, under what circumstances would you consider in this situation, knowing what, what the circumstances are? I realized that I goofed up. The patient really didn't know, you know, they knew there was 12 visits, but they were kind of keeping track, but they kind of missed it. We're done now. And I would really hate to go back to the patient now and say, sorry, those last four visits, I goofed, you goofed, but now you're stuck with a bill for, for an injury that happened on the job that was, you know, arguably the, you know, um, a work-related injury that is kind of your work's fault and you have insurance to cover that now isn't willing to cover that. And now you have to jump through the, these bureaucratic hoops. I said, how do you advise? I, I tell the patient this when they just want to get back to work and they just want to get going, they're already done with care. They're, they're already at maximum medical improvement. And there's this pause and she said, well, I'll tell you what, um, this time I can go ahead and approve those four visits, but just in the future, just make sure you really keep track of your visits and, um, and, and really, tr- and, and make sure that you don't go over again because it really, it is the law and I, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do it, but, but I'll go ahead and get it approved for you. There, the visits were approved. Patient got discharged. We got a check in the mail for the, for the last four visits. Uh, we got paid patient was happy. Everyone was happy and it, and it was done. Um, 
and, and everyone, everyone on their, on their way. Now I look at this story as, um, as an example, and I can, and I can share with you, maybe you already realize it, but there, there's, there's a question that I add that I like, I oftentimes ask when I feel like I'm, I'm at a bulkhead, I wrote it down that, that, that helps break down so many barriers. So people don't feel like they're fighting or that they have to like, that they have to acquiesce because it's, it's not, you know, it's kind of like, I think it was Gandhi that said, you know, if somebody loses, what kind of victory really was it? And the idea is, is how do you make it a win-win for everybody? So I was, what I was doing is, is, is trying to put myself in, in, in her shoes in what she's dealing with on a day-to-day basis and trying to talk in terms that, that I thought was important to her that she would find value in and trying, trying to bring up points that I thought would make her life easier, more enjoyable, less stressful, and ultimately make her life better. And also to, to help make her look like the hero. Because now when she calls the patient and says, hey, those last four visits, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and approve those. Think of what that does. Now, this, this, this patient isn't, isn't getting angry at the adjuster. What are you talking about? You know, Dr. Gal has been great. He's helped me so much. You know, I couldn't even walk and now I'm moving again. And you're sitting, you're telling me you're going to let a bureaucratic four, you know, on and on. Right. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to help her and the other person win. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's being able to navigate and figure out how can I make this a win for them while also weaving in a win for me. Because if you can do that and if you can craft that, that, that scenario, then, then any, anything is possible. And that's how I've gotten real estate, uh, you know, several, you know, million dollar, million plus dollars worth of real estate for essentially free. Um, And I can talk about that, um, how I got a Tesla for free, um, you know, and on down the line. Um, So I'll I'll pause there because I know, I know I said a lot there. Yeah, no, that, that was great. And I, I wrote down and I, I've written down this question from you before from previous webinars and things you've done. Um, but the question was under what circumstances? And I yeah. love that question because then it allows them, it, it almost allows them to acknowledge that they've, they've got the power to decide what's about to happen. And right. you're acknowledging that it's this, you understand it's a one-off scenario, but you're letting them dictate the terms assuming the outcome is what you want, right? You're saying, I want this outcome and under what, under what circumstances could this happen? And I, right. I think it's so, so powerful because you're shifting the conversation. Like you said, from like, you know, a, a win-lose situation to how do we make this work? And there was another line I wrote right. down um, a few months ago, actually, from uh, something you said, and it was, how do we craft this deal? And just mm-hmm. the way you think about negotiation as crafting the, you know, whether it's a deal or, or whatever, suggests that it's not so, not just logic based, because there's a lot of emotion in, in all of anything that's sales, right? This is all sales. Um, but it's, it's influencing somebody's decision, but you need to get on side and understand, like you said, where they're coming from to be able to get them to come over to your side of the table, for lack of a better analogy. So I, th- I think that, that those two lines, under what circumstances, and um, how to craft the deal or craft the the situation? Yeah, uh, really bring a lot of new context to might be a sales conversation or just in general. Yeah. And I, I um, and I, I think um, 
I think the audience would love to hear, and I'll let you choose which story you you share, because I know you share um, them in some of your presentations, but whether it's the real estate one or the Tesla one, um, if you don't mind, one of them would, would be great. I'm sure the audience would appreciate it. Well, I, I can do both and I can bundle them together. How about that? Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. So uh, b- before I do that, one thing that you just said that that, that I, I like I like what you're saying, and I, I want to tweak it just a little bit and, mm-hmm. and maybe just add a little more to it, and that is that... You know, when when people talk about, um, like you said, like like negotiation, I I I'm I'm, I'm big on words. Um, I, I, at least I, I try I try to be big on words. And if I ever catch myself, I, I try to go back. You know, it's like when you're discussion with a loved one, and they say, "You never do the dishes," or "You always," you know. You know, absolutes. it's like, well, no one always does anything ever. You know, it's like right. it's like, it's like absolutes, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and here's the thing. It, um, when I look at the term like um, negotiate, to me, I I like the word dis- discussion and collaboration, and right. I ju- I try to plant those in my mind of, of the words collaboration and discussion because to me they're less charged and they're and it's less of like a it's less of a win lose and it's a more of a discussion and a collaboration to me is more of a win win, and especially a collaboration, and. And the, the the key really is again, like you said, it's being it's being logical in recognizing that you have to address the emotional. Mm-hmm. And if you can be logical in your emotional approach, then you can win. Mm-hmm. But if you let yourself be completely emotional, you know you're 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 going to be all over the place. And 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 obviously there, there's a there's a point here. Here's the thing: it's it's kind of like I think sports is a great analogy. Think of any sport. Let, let, let's just use, let's just use football as as an as an example, right? Because because every time the the, the the everything starts from like zero, and the same everything starts from from like an even playing field. Every single play, every single play, everyone gets a fresh slate, you know. And and a play lasts what? I think it's like average is like seven to nine seconds or something. So every seven to nine seconds, everyone gets a brand new playing field, and you get a fresh start. So no matter what happens, you get to start over. And here's the thing, you go to the gym, you work out, you run plays, you do all of these things and, and you're so well, that's the logical portion. You're so well trained, you have so much muscle memory. And then what happens is as soon as that ball snaps and the play is going, it's, it's it, now the art takes over. So now that, I think of that as being the emotion aspect. So now let's relay this back to real life. So you, you have to understand um, what, what the end goal is. You have to understand what we're talking about, about you know, looking at it as a collaboration, you have to understand the logic of, well, how does the human brain work? How does psychology work? How do I, how do I help this person get what they want? You have to understand that. And then when you're in the moment, you have to, you have to be able to have that raw skill, right? You have to, you have to know how to throw a football at least a certain amount. Otherwise you can't even make it up there, but you have to have that raw skill. So then when you see, oh my gosh, this other player's arm is coming in that maybe you, you throw and adjust and throw it just a little sideways and to make the play, but you have to know how to throw to football first. What I'm getting at is when you're actually in front of that person, you you, you need to have the raw ability and, and the and the logic and the knowledge. So then when you're in it, your EQ can kick in, and then you can feel your way through it with with the the raw talent and the skills and the logic that you have that allows you to kind of unplug that portion and now feel your way through it. Mm. And and. And, and, and that's what that, that's what got me to to not only get a free Tesla, but also it got a, a commercial building that was um, it was on sale. It was um, for, for sale. I don't want to say on sale. It was for sale at, at one point six, um, one point six five million dollars. 
And so here's the way that I looked at it. The, the, the way that I looked at it was first I had, I had a goal. I said, okay, we, we want to put a, we want to put a clinic in this location in town. And, and I was looking through and the, the thing is, is that you can't ever tell yourself no before someone else tells you no. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, I mean, how many people listening to this right now think that they could go out and buy a $1.6 million piece of property? I mean, a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, I'm not even going to look at it. And they just told themselves no. They just sold themselves on a no before someone else told them a no. So there, we oftentimes we already tell ourselves no, right? Whether even if it's like if, if the classic is right when you're when you're in high school or junior high or college, and there's that cute girl or cute boy, and you're like, oh, I'm not even going to go talk to him because why would they even talk to me? You you just sold yourself on a no. Right. So here's the thing. I saw this piece of property, 1.65, or we'll just use 1.6 for this story. And, and I, and I saw it for sale. I said, okay, yeah, it looks like a good piece of property. Nah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the right location and so forth. And it's still $1.6 million. Nah, okay. I'll see. We'll, we'll see about that. Cause the traditionally people are thinking they have to put 20% down. So you're looking at what would that be? $320,000 out of pocket. So how many people have $320,000 burning the hole in their pocket, right? Or let alone that would want to put money into that. I mean, there's a lot of better uses I can think of for $320,000. I mean, it's like what Roland Frazier says, you know, every $320,000 helps. So what, what, uh, what I look at is say, okay, so if this is 1.6 million. I want to buy this property, but I don't want to pay any money into it. So how can I make this happen? So I reached out to the sellers and I said, I see that this has been sale for sale for a while. So first thing I need to do, what I need to do, I need to research. I need to find out logically what's important to them, right? So logically, I need to figure out, figure out what, what's, what's for them. And that, that's the emotional aspect. So reaching out and saying, why are you selling? W- w- what's inspiring you to sell now? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the, the, the numbers on it look pretty good, et cetera. They, and they said, okay, well, it's a group of us that are wanting to sell. We've been wanting to sell for a while, but we're kind of getting to the point in life and to our, in our age where we want to, we're just ready to kind of downsize our portfolios. We don't want it to be left for, um, for our heirs, et cetera. I said, okay, great. I said, um, <clears throat> I said, okay, well, let me do a little research and I'll get back to you. So I went to my bank. I said, I said, how would you be willing to lend on this? And if so, what, what are the requirements? They, and they said 80%, well, you need to come up with 20%. I said, exactly what I thought, right? 20%. I said, okay. I said, well, what about this? I said, what if you guys did 80% because the main thing for the, that the bank wants is they want their security, right? Okay. So I said, well, what if you do 80% and I said, would you, and you want 20% down, right? I said, does it really matter where that 20% comes from in your mind? They said, yeah, well, we want it to come from you. I said, well, what if instead of coming from me, what if, what if the, the seller was willing to, let's say, carry 20%? And they said, yeah, no, we need to think about it. They thought about it, came back and said, well, tell you what. Yes, the seller can carry the, the, the other 20% and will carry the 80%, but they need to be in second position, which means if I were default or just something would happen, the 80% that the bank was loaning on, that's protected first if there's a foreclosure or something or I get hit by the proverbial bus. So now I had a lot, I had a lot of information and a lot of power because now I could go back to the seller and I could say, look, I'll buy the property. And I'll be able to help you guys clean up your portfolio so it's not a mess for your heirs. Again, I'm telling them, you know, I'm like reminding them why they're doing this. I'm bringing that up because that's important to them. I said, but here, this is what we're stuck with. 
So I said, I'll lay it out there and I'd love your guys' advice. Um, and here, here it was again. Under what circumstances would you guys consider doing a seller carry of 20%? They said, huh, I didn't think about that. Gave them a few days, they thought about it, came back, they said, tell you what, um, we'll do a seller carry of 20%, but we'll tell you what, you need to pay off the loan in full in five years. You need to give us an insurance policy so in case you die that that we're we're protected, all reasonable things. Um, and, And... um, I don't know if they offered this, but I said, and I'll tell you what, and I'll give you your full purchase price. So I gave them their full purchase price. I gave them 80% from the bank. So they're getting the lion's share of it right up front. They're covered by an insurance policy and they're going to get paid off in five years. So I went back to the bank and I said, I said, would you be willing to do this? And I also said this, I said, how about this? I said, would you be willing to go in? You don't have to sign this, but would you be willing in five years or less be willing to refinance because the principal would be paid down enough to then take out the loan of the second and, and pay off the second loan. They crunched the numbers. They looked at it and said, well, in five years, you'll you'll have just about 20% equity because you'll have paid down the, 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 the owner carry the loan. You would have carried down the, paid down the bank's loan. That would be about 20% because you're paying on both loans. So yeah, we can go ahead and do that. And we, we can do what's called a streamlined refinance. You don't need an appraisal. You don't need anything. They basically just look at it. And, and say, yep, okay, we're going to go refinance it. And they, and they would wipe it out. So I go back. I say, we got a deal. Go for it. So I put down $10,000 in earnest money. Again, this is $1.6 million property. I put 10, down $10,000 earnest money. And at closing, I got, I think, around like $340 back at closing. So for a $1.6 million um, um, real estate, that cash flow. Now, this is the beautiful. Now, it gets better, though. Watch this. <laughs> I I I put in ten thousand dollars and I got back like three like two three hundred dollars or something like that. I have the statement. I have a copy of it. I, I think I know this. In, I've shown this in my presentations. And here's the thing: um, the, the 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 property cash flowed. So now let me ask you this: If I were to come to you and say, "Hey, you know, here's a one point six million dollar piece of property that cash flows, meaning that all the rents are going to pay for your mortgages and you're going to have money left over." Would you do it? And but but it's going to cost you nine thousand seven hundred dollars. Could you afford that? Yes. And here's the thing, and you know, almost anyone. You, I mean, gosh, you would like you could you could sell whatever you had to sell your yeah. firstborn if you needed to to come up with that because that's such a great deal. But here's the thing: is most people have already sold themselves on a no before they're even willing to negotiate and go down the line. Mm. And and here's the thing: we were able to wrap. The, the the inspectors fees and some other fees into the loan costs and that ten thousand dollars that I put in I think three or four of that went towards the inspector fees and the, the and some of the appraisal fees and loan costs and other things but the way we structured it on the closing documents like I said we got money back so again at the end of the day for like ninety seven hundred bucks we got a one point six million dollar piece of property that cash flowed that cash flowed and had vacant space in it that we could put our clinic in. So we were able to put our clinic in it basically for free, had a piece of property that was $1.6 million that cash flowed. Now here's the thing. Remember I said, I got a Tesla for free. The building, what we did is we went in, we looked at all the leases and said, Oh my gosh, these leases are below market that there was, there was already, um, there was already cash flowing. We were able to, to the, the, some of the leases were already scheduled to adjust and the fact that with a few of the rents, we were able to, to, to raise a little bit. 
all of that, all of that, the, 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 those monies, when you combined it, was was equal to the amount of a uh, and more than a, a a payment on a brand new uh, Model S P one hundred D Tesla. So that money then went, and I w- went to get a loan for a Tesla, which I didn't use my money. I went and got a loan on a Tesla and said, okay, here's the money that I've been saving up from from that piece of property that, um, and, and it also covered the monthly payments. So that's how I got a $1.6 million piece of property for free, a free lease space for the clinic, um, and and money from that deal that then went to to for my uh, that pays for my Tesla every month. So that's how I got a free Tesla and a uh, 1.6 million dollar piece of property for nine thousand seven hundred dollars. Wow! And I could keep going with other stories, but but that's just one that that's you know kind of an older one that got me excited to start doing million dollar deals and things like this. That's awesome. Well, and it, it it goes to show you, and I well I think that that part that you said before you even went into the story was like you're selling yourself on the no from the start. And, uh, and kind of in a conversation yesterday, it's like the, the four minute mile, right. When, uh, when Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile, suddenly it was possible. And, right. and until somebody shows you that it can be possible, it feels like it's not. And I'm hoping that what the audience is getting from this is that it can be possible. The things that maybe they're thinking that's not possible. Selling themselves on the no right now. Right. They're, you know, they're saying, Hey, maybe. Maybe there's a chance and I shouldn't sell myself on the no up front. I need to go and, and see, like, at least give it a shot. And of course, it depends on how bad you want it, but I guess. Well, depending- and, and, and that's but- it. Absolutely. Is, is it comes down to how it, it comes down to several things. Are you willing to put in the energy and the effort to, to go after it? Hmm. And and how 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 valuable is it to you? Now, I say I say, you know, it cost me ninety seven hundred bucks. But here's the thing. Um, like it, it obviously cost me time. You know, right. and, and and here's the thing. I didn't read a book on this. I didn't know this. I just I just went and did it. You know, I didn't take a class on this in high school or college. I mean, nowhere did I learn anything near this. So for me, I feel I feel I'm in my infancy in understanding, you know, how how to craft um, discussions and collaborations and 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 structure these things. I, I'm in my infancy. Infancy, but once you once you do something like this and you realize, oh my gosh, this is possible, and you see someone else doing it, all of a sudden it's like, well, if if they're doing it, then I can do it. And just like when my when I saw my brother stand up to my dad, I thought, okay, I agree with my brother now. And if my brother can do it and he can stand up to what he believes is right or versus wrong, then I can do it too. And I don't have to just be a soldier and go along with the status quo. And that's why I share that story because so much of my life, I just, I just did everything the way it was supposed to be. Right. I was get straight A's. Okay. Be good at sports. Okay. You know, go do this. Okay. And all those things were really good. Right. I mean, those are all positive traits. Um, but at the same time, people can say, Oh, you need 20% down payment for a house. Oh, you need to you know work nine to five the rest of your life. Oh, you need to do this. It's like, and it's like, okay, well, if I just kept signing off on that, you know, there's no way we'd be able to make the impact that we are for where we're at. Now, I'm not saying that the lifestyle that I live is for everybody. I mean, there's a certain amount of stress that comes with it. And I could show you times where I was, you know, I probably aged, you know, 10 years in one year compared to some of the stress and the things that I put myself through intentionally and unintentionally that I'm not saying we're healthier. I wish on everyone, but I've learned a lot from that. And I'm happy that I went through it and I'm, and I'm where I'm at now to where I can continue to refine, um, my ability to work with people because here's the thing at the end of the day, 
that piece of property very well could have kept dragging on and not being sold, but it did sell and these people got what they wanted. And so the thing is, is you're doing these people, the thing is, you always have to look at it and say, how can I make this, the person on the other side of this, how can I make it a win for them? How can I make their life better? How can I make them really excited and happy to do this? And if you approach it with that mindset, then, then you can't help but win because, because you're, you're not only doing great things in the world, but you're approaching it with such a mindset of how can I help? How can I love? How can I be of service? How can I, how can I make them look good, feel good, whatever it is that's important to them, while also weaving in the things that, that are important to me so everybody wins and everyone, everyone gets to, to keep moving forward and doing bigger, better things. I love it. I love it. Such a powerful message, such a powerful story. And I mean, who doesn't love hearing stories about getting things for free and close to free? Um, that's great. But I think that the core message can have such an impact on, well, on anybody, right? Whether it's sales reps, sales managers, CEOs of small or large companies, um, it comes down to how bad do you want it and how far do you want to push the envelope? But if you're stepping in with that position of how do I make it a win-win or how do I make it so, and I like to think of it as how do I make them feel and I and, and for me to feel that I'm also doing them a favor as part of right. crafting this collaboration. And, and that's why, and you said it before, I want to impress on it again. Mm-hmm. And just so maybe this, this episode will, will stand on its own. And that is the, the, the question I believe is so powerful. And, and I think I could go into almost every word of the sentence and why it's so powerful and so poignant. And yet it's seemingly so, so, so simple, but, but it's, it's, it's wrapped in so much power and that is, and that is, under what circumstances would you or could you consider, and then laying out your things, but laying lay, lay out your question, because it's so it's so, you know, even if you're if you're at an impasse, you say, okay, I get it, I understand that 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 no, I understand you don't want to do this, I understand you don't want to, you know, go to the go to go to dinner and a movie tonight, I get that, but I really wouldn't like to go to a movie, I get it, you know what, you're right. Can I, can I ask you just one question? Under what circumstances would you be willing to consider asking them to commit? You're just saying, under what circumstances would you consider going to dinner and a movie with me tonight? Now they have all the power. They could come up and say, I, I want to stay home. You need to give me a million dollars. Well, at least you know where you're starting. Or they could say, you know, you need to, you know, you need to, you need to um, give me a massage tomorrow morning because I'm sore and I really want to go to bed. But hey, if you rub my feet and you give me a back rub tomorrow, you got a deal. Or hey, as long as I get to pick the restaurant or hey, I get to pick the movie or hey, we get to go to it early. It leaves it wide open because the brain, Robert Caldini said, the brain has to solve questions. And if you put a question out there, the brain has to solve it. I mean, if I say, if I say, whatever you do, don't answer this question, what's two plus two? I mean, anyone listening right now, they already have the answer. You, your brain couldn't help not come up with the answer. And so if you say, under what circumstances could you consider going to dinner and a movie or whatever it is, or could you, would you consider selling this $1.6 million building and carrying 20%? They're not committing to anything. It's just a discussion. They're, they're, they're just considering it. They're just saying, you know, all of this. And the other thing is, if you if you if you have someone that's really dug their heels in, and again, again, the vast majority of people, thankfully, um, can't can't help but be honest, and they can't help but answer questions. So if you feel like maybe there's been a, um, an acceptance in the past, 
So I did this one time and I got a free airline flight. And because the flight got canceled and some things got delayed and other things, and they said, okay, it's going to be like $400 or something like this. I, again, I don't remember all the specifics, but just for generalities for the, for the premise of the, of the story, they said, you know, yes, we can't do this. And yeah, because the plane, because it was, it was like a weather, not a mechanical thing, it's going to be like a change of 400 bucks or something like that. And I said, well, under what circumstances would you consider making a consideration just this once? Um, you know, it's late at night, you know, it's all this blah, blah, blah thing. They said, you know, I, I really can't do it. That's the policy. So I switched it up a little bit. I said, I get that. You know, I agreed with them. I said, you know what? I get it. If I was in your position, I'd be thinking the exact same thing. I understand that. I know you're in a tough position. Well, let me ask you this. And I just tweaked it a little bit. Under what circumstances in the past have you ever allowed a, a subtle deviation from your policy or allowed uh, vouchers for other flights and so forth? So now... The person has to either say, sorry, sir, I can't do it. Or they have, or now their brain, you can see people's brains sometimes start smoking because when they want to tell you a no mm -hmm. and you ask them, well, well, under what circumstances in the past have you ever blah, blah, blah. It, especially if you, if you have a really good suspicion or if you really believe that they, that they probably have made an exception in the past, mm -hmm. but they're not willing to make an exception for you. To me, it seems, it seems relevant that that should enter the conversation because if someone's had leniency in the past for someone, why couldn't they have leniency for you now? And if there was a reason in the past that they gave leniency, all you have to do is recreate that reason and scenario now, and you could, you can likely have leniency. So, you know, by asking that question, under what circumstances in the past have you ever given flight vouchers for, let's say for weather issues? And then they may say, well, and anyways, the conversation progressed and I ended up getting, uh, I think I got a free flight and I think I also got like a, a free um, lodging voucher. And, and those things obviously aren't unheard of in the aviation right. world, but I'm sharing that to say that when I first went up to the, to the, um, to the customer service, it was a no. And it just happened to, to keep, I mean, I, I've gotten free cars. You know, one time I was at a car rental place, they were all out of cars. It was like, we have no cars. Like, you guys have any cars? Nope. Are you sure? Let me check. Nope, we don't have any cars. Ma'am, are you sure? I really need a car. Every place I've checked doesn't have any cars. Are you sure we don't have any cars? Sir, we don't have any cars. We are completely booked up. I pull up the app. Well, it says online that you guys have cars. Like, sir, I'm sorry. All those are already reserved for blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. Ended up talking with her. By the time by the time he was done, she gave us uh, like a convertible Mustang or something for like the same price as like a compact or, or crazy. You know, and I'm walking out there with my clinic. I'm walking out with my clinic director. I'm thinking, how did we do that when she told us four or five times she had no cars? There was no way it was going to be done, and she gave us a deal. Nice, I love it. It's just give it a shot, right? I mean, you've got nothing to lose. But yeah, that's the thing, right? It's 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 already a no. Yeah. So it just it just and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most people don't like being told no, and and if you and if you keep the conversation going it's likely that you're going to get another no. So now, so here's the thing the, 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 for you, for you to be able to get a yes, you have to be willing to get a lot of no's and yeah. a lot of people don't even want that first no. So you have to be willing, you have to be willing to get past that first no, the second no, the third no, the fourth no, the 10th no, and you have to keep going. And I will be the first to admit that, that I, I certainly don't, don't, um, 
you know, it doesn't work all the time. And obviously there, there's times where, where, where you, you realize that, Oh, this is going downhill and you just, you just say, Oh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I understand. I get it. Thank you for your time. Um, have a, have a nice day. And you be polite and you realize, okay, what did I learn from that? What can I do different? Some things you can't change, but, but, but you have to be willing to get up to the plate and, and you have, you have to be able to, to, to go have a lot of at bats. Mm. I love it. Well, and that's, that sales wrapped up in a nutshell, right? That's- yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Everything <laughs> you do in life is sales. Everything yep. it is because I mean, even like you and I were talking about beforehand. I mean, even though I've, I've been, I've been um, a collegiate athlete, high school athlete, all these things, even then I still have a running coach today because I know that if I have to every morning wake up and sell myself on going and exercising, especially a hard workout or something like that, if I'm, if I'm left to my own devices, there are so many reasons for me to talk myself out of it. And that's why I know that, that even though I'm paying my running coach like 125 bucks a month for, for my running coach. And again, I've, I did, I trained for an Ironman completely by myself. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but rather doing an Ironman was one of the harder things that I've done in my life. And to train and to do that all by myself took an enormous amount of grit and determination. And, and I say that to think, well, if I was able to do that on my own, well, Thaddeus, it kind of seems silly that you would have a running coach to, to help you just run now for, you know, you used to train for, you know, 30, 40 hours a week. And now you're just doing, you know, a handful of hours a week. Why do you need a running coach? Because it's so easy for me to sell myself on a no. Mm. So I know that for me to get to my goals and if I, if I pony up the money and I pay for a running coach and he writes out my, my things, my workouts every, every day for me, it's so much easier and it takes the brain hurt out of it. And, and, and I know there's accountability. It's all these psychological things that are at play. So Mm. that's how I can get myself to say yes is I understand the psychology. I understand the, the logic of it, the psychology of it. And then I also understand the emotion of waking up every morning, how much, how comfortable my bed feels versus, okay, my bed feels really warm and comfortable, or I could go out and kick my ass and be in pain. It's like, <laughs> like, okay, like I can be warm and cozy laying next to my girlfriend. Like, oh, this is warm. This is cozy. This is comfortable. It's like, and or I can kick my ass where it's cold outside. It hurts. There's cars on the road. It's loud. I know it's going to be painful. Like, so I know that I know that my default mode is to not do that. Right. And, and so I have to sell myself on it. And a way to sell myself on it is say, okay, if I'm going to put up the money, I'm going to have accountability and on down the line. And I think the same thing goes for, that's why I think a business coach is good. That's why I think finding a life coach, I, I use that term loosely because life coaches everywhere, but it's, I mean, you, you obviously have to find the right one surrounding yourself with the right people. That's why we, I've created the guardians, which is a business mastermind group for, for business owners that want to buy, buy businesses, buy real estate, um, for zero money out of their pocket. They want to grow their business. They want to be surrounded with other people that think like them because they, I, I created this group selfishly for myself because I want to be surrounded by really smart people and not be this, you know, the, the smartest person in the room. I want to be the dumbest person in the room, but it's, you know, I created this group for people that not only wanted to expand and grow their, their business, but also people that wanted to reduce or virtually eliminate taxes. And within this group, we've been able to do both. And so that's how I help sharpen my tool and my accountability is within within that group. No different than a running coach. I have essentially my own my own uh, playmates and playgrounds that, that I've created, so that I can I can uh, craft my environment that then craft uh, that then shapes my behavior. I love it. I love it, and I'm super excited to see as this as this group grows and grows and grows over these coming years as well. Um, 
so if somebody wants to learn more about the guardians, what's the best way for them to connect? Um, yeah, great question. So if people want to learn more about the guardians, they could, they could comment on here. They could reach out to me directly. Um, and, and we can put them in touch with it, with a client, um, a client, uh, uh manager, and they can go over what, what the process entails. Um, you know, I, I tell people, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if, if you don't make, I would say, you know, a hundred to $500,000 additional income, um, in your first year in the group from being through this, then, then, um, then, then something major is wrong. I think the average person in our group saves around, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's maybe, uh, I, I, I'm going to kind of guess this number off the top of my head last time I have to look at these numbers again. But I think it's like the average person saves around $78,000 in taxes um, and get their, gets their taxes down from like around 30% to around 2%. So it's the, the thing is, it's like, it, I look at this group as being, and, and I, I, I didn't mean this to turn into like a, like a promotion for, for, no, for, our, for this business mastermind group, but it's, it's kind of like, once you understand how this group works, it's kind of like getting $1.6 million piece of properties for free. You know, kind of like that example I used. Like if you realize how much value um, comes out and flows out of the backside of it in terms of tax reduction and business growth and strategic relationships, it's it's like an absolute no-brainer on the front end because because any money that you're paying, you get you get essentially back in in so many other benefits. You know, it, it's, yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on and on, but um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, and, and it kind of ties it all up, right. From, from the position of don't settle for selling yourself on your own. No, when it comes to the things you want, whether it's getting a building, uh, getting a Tesla, uh, getting the flight, but also achieving your goals, right? So if you get up each morning and you're not willing to get support, I mean, yeah, you can go about it on your own. And we all know this in sales and business, um, and yeah, as long as you're still moving forward, that's fine, but you're not going to get there nearly as quickly. And right. the leverage of, of having a community, having resources and having the strategies on the financial side, especially, <laughs> um, but on the business side as well, they're just going to accelerate everything that you want to achieve. So I think that's, uh, the, the key piece here. So, um, all right. Well, that is, thank you so much for being here. It was a great pleasure to have you. And we will see everyone next week, same time, uh, same channel right here on Headspace TV. This is Sales Team Rescue. And next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Remember, guys, get uncomfortable, get results. And if you want your own Sales Team Blueprinting session with yours truly, you can book your time at salesteamrescue.com. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.